Welcome to Remember 64, where this week we're playing... Do I even have to tell you? Welcome to the show, everyone. This is a very special episode. Yes, that's right. We have booted up GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64, likely one of the most influential games of the generation, of the 90s, and some could argue of gaming in general. Jiggy Lookback is in the co-hosting chair once again, but to be honest, it's not myself or Jiggy that make this episode as special as we think it is. It's because we have Elise Knorr, Associate Professor at Regis University, and the person that has written the book on GoldenEye 007. She is the author of GoldenEye 007 from Boss Fight Books. According to the website, it says, quote, through extensive interviews with GoldenEye creators, writer, and scholar, Elise Knorr traces the story of how this unlikely licensed game reinvigorated a franchise and genre. Learn all the stories behind how this iconic title was developed and why GoldenEye 007 has continued to kick the living daylights out of every other Bond game since. And because of all this, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Yes, I usually intro the show just like I'm doing now, but... I'm not going to go through the history of GoldenEye and its development. We have Elise with us. If anyone knows anything about GoldenEye and the development of it, she is the perfect, perfect person. Throughout this book, which myself and Jiggy read, uh, highly recommend it, by the way. Never mind just this podcast, but it's something that is definitely worth reading. You know, she spoke to a lot of the people that created this game at Rare, and it's just such an extensive look at what this game means and how it was created. So instead of taking the time and listening to me talk for a few minutes, we're going to bring Elise in in just a moment, and we're going to have a full-on discussion about the game, its development, how it relates to the movie, how it relates to the franchise, what it means for society, what it meant then, what it means now. Oh, we just have a whole lot to go through, so uh, it's time to cover one of the biggest games of the Nintendo 64 and the 90s, GoldenEye 007. Thank you very much for listening to Remember 64, a proud member of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by EPOS Gaming Audio. With a comprehensive lineup of both wired and wireless headsets, gaming amplifiers, microphones, and webcams, EPOS has everything you need to experience the power of audio. Like their H6 Pro lineup, which features two versions, an open or closed headset, the closed headset allows you to tap into exceptionally detailed audio and seals out ambient noise, while the open version delivers natural, high-fidelity audio with an incredible soundstage. Both headsets include a magnetic, detachable microphone and a sleek design that has no wild RGB configurations, just good design. 
Listeners can save 15% by visiting www.eposaudio.com slash gaming and entering the code EPOSFRIEND15 at checkout. That is EPOSAudio, E-P-O-S-A-U-D-I-O dot com slash gaming and entering the code EPOSFRIEND15, no spaces, no underscores, no points, All of that can be entered at checkout for a 15% discount. Do you know how to use one of these? GoldenEye. Load a rumble pack and see how it feels when 007 meets N64. Well, we usually have a pretty long spiel at the beginning of our episodes. I usually talk everyone's ear off with the, you know, development of these games and how were they how they were created and everything, but instead, this time we were lucky enough to have I would say an expert on the show. I would say if there's anybody to talk about <laughs> GoldenEye 007 on this console, it's going to be Elise Snore, the author of the Boss Books book about GoldenEye, about its development, about everything around GoldenEye. Elise, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with y'all. I am, I'm so excited because not only is GoldenEye obviously a very big game when it comes to the N64 and really just the 90s and this generation of games, but to be able to talk about someone who did so much work in order to make this book and talk to so many people that help develop it and everything. It's, uh, it's really exciting. Jiggy, man, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I can go for the next like 10 minutes being like, I'm excited, but I'm assuming <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're in the same boat. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I'm here by the way. Yes. And you're here as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Elise, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I, I want to ask you about you, about um, how you came to writing a book like this, because we were sort of, you know, joking before we hit record that, you know, me and Jiggy are experts at the N64 games, which I think we're just going to yeah. own it. We're going to run with it. Um, but yes. uh, but we're giving you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're giving you the expert title on uh, on GoldenEye 007. And, uh, you know, a lot of people can sit here and be like, I played this game or any other game over and over and over as a kid. But it's different when you've dug into the history and all that. But, but how do you get to, to even get to this point of writing a book like this? <laughs> Well, uh, so I've, I've always been a big fan of games. Um, I, I played my first game before I could read or write. My dad sat me down in front of Super Mario Brothers 3 and Doom and Myst and Day of the Tentacle when I was tiny. Um, so I grew up with games. I've always loved games. Can I stop um, you I right there to, to ask something? Yeah, please. What, yes. what, what was your first video game? Ooh. It was Super Mario 3. It was yeah, Super Mario. That was my very first What a one. glorious yeah. way to start. Yeah. Uh, Sonic right. the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, excellent! Also yeah. excellent! Also excellent! <laughs> if we're all sharing, your my, my, yeah, mine is not yeah. a uh, a standout title because I didn't get a console until I mean the first one that I think I owned and I played rather than like watching someone play, let's say Super Mario Three or something like that. Uh, was this like old F1 racing game that was on our PC that you would just control with the arrow keys? Uh, or, in, or maybe it was indie? It probably Whoa, was indie. arrow yeah. keys. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. Imagine controlling a game with arrow keys. Um, 
like forward was gas and the back button was brake. Like it was that kind of thing. Literally, you just used four keys. And it almost looked like this, you know, wireframe representation of the cars. And it was only sat in the seat. I think, honestly, I think it's just called like Indy 500. Like that's all it's called. I don't know how we had it because my parents do not play games, never have. So I don't know where it came from. Um, Maybe it was just pre-installed on whatever, you know, little PC we had. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It's the first one I remember that I actually sat there and played is probably that. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. I just was really curious. No, I love that. Yeah, I love it. Please, please interrupt. Um, <laughs> so I just, I always loved games. I went to college and studied creative writing and journalism. Um, I became a uh, English professor. I was living up in Alaska, um, get, starting to get into my like, you know, late 20s, feeling a little nostalgic uh, about the games I grew up playing. And I saw a call from Boss Fight Books uh, for proposals about uh, video game, uh, for, for books about video games. They release, you know, one, um, like, standalone titles about individual games. And I was thinking, like, you know, mostly I write poetry, but it would be really fun to apply those journalism skills to write a book uh, that says documentary work and memoir work combined on a video game. So I wrote a book about Super Mario 3, <laughs> since that was my original um, favorite mm-hmm. game of all time. And then a few years later, I was uh, got the itch again to do some more video game writing. And I pitched uh, the editor Gabe a book about GoldenEye. So sort of drawing together my video game fandom, my um, love of writing memoir and creative work, and also um, wanting to put those those journalism skills to good use and, and keep those fresh with <laughs> interviews and research and documentary style writing. That's that's awesome. Um, I will say too. I I don't know if you have any involvement, if any of the authors have any involvement in like what even like the books look like. Um, but the Super Mario Brothers three one literally has a real raccoon just on the front of it, which is just fantastic. Um, and then the artistry yeah. that kind of goes into the and I guess there's there's two editions of the GoldenEye one. There's a regular, then there's a deluxe, and yeah. the the look of them are both very cool. Like it's it's very simple art, but I w- I just want to point out that if anyone looks it up, uh, yeah. I, I find them very charming. Uh, uh, all three of those. So um, oh, thanks. Yeah, they did a, they yeah, did a they, cool they, job with that too. <laughs> the, the sort of I think the first few seasons that he he does them in seasons gave during yeah. the editor of Boss the first few seasons of Boss Fight books. The covers all have a real life representation of something that's, you know, graphically rendered in the game. So in my case for Mario, it's the raccoon, but there are plenty of other really uh, great and hilarious examples of um, sort of like real life uh, animals or objects um, on those covers. And lately he's been going for a more stylized, uh, which I think looks equally great, sort of... um, more, more graphical looking art. And in the case of the hardcover of my book, something that was um, hand drawn by our, yeah. our uh, wonderful, um, wonderful cover designer. Yeah. Mateo. It's, it's, it's really cool. I, even like the, the real life ones, like the Resident Evil ones as a typewriter, like that's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that, that's really fine. And like a really old school typewriter too. Like it looks like it's from like the thirties or something. Um, so that's awesome. Um, the, pap- oh. the paperback. I should just. I should just say in case people can't see it. The paperback of of Goldeneye. I, I just think it's the funniest thing. It's it's a guy in a bowler hat, uh, with his back to you, and a little, like, <laughs> a little uh, crosshair is right above his head. So it's supposed to be odd job. You know, he's like just just too short for yours. So yeah. that just cracked me up that, that we were able to do that. I was like, this this is everything I always dreamed of. <laughs> they definitely know what they're doing. Not, when you know, you know, yeah. right? Like yeah, you yeah. know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about the game. You mentioned obviously you've been playing games your whole life. Um, 
let's talk about like the 64, you know, for certain consoles kind of hit people at a certain age and they just sort of stick with them. Right. And the 64 has this great, like, you know, nostalgic feel of getting people together from, I would say that the, the standout games, unless it's, you know, Zelda or even Mario 64, like, yeah, you could swap controllers and all that kind of stuff, but you know, sitting down playing Mario party, sitting down playing this game. Uh, What was your experience Mm -hmm. with the, with the 64 as you, as you grew up? It came out when I was nine and this was a perfect age because I had grown up on the NES and Super NES and fallen in love with uh, games like Mario and Donkey Kong. And um, I loved adventure games and platforming games. Um, and so when the N64 came out, I was sort of maturing into the, those more complicated games like Mario 64, um, you know, Star Fox 64, Shadows of the Empire, and of course, GoldenEye. And then going into, you know, middle school and high school, and then even on into college, it was just the perfect, GoldenEye in particular, the perfect game to to play with your friends, to play at sleepovers. Of course, we've all had these wonderful experiences of playing with our best friends and our siblings, in my case, my, my college boyfriend um, and his roommate and my roommate. It was just such a great party game. And I think the N64 in general, you know, really facilitated that. We also played a lot of Mario Kart, um, a lot of Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, uh, you, you know, actually, I have some friends from out of town from, from North Carolina right now in my house. And last night, the four of us were all in our like 30s and 40s, um, gathered around my old N64, uh, sitting on the floor, and played Goldeneye slappers only. And we were just laughing so hard. <laughs> um, my wife, like, won. She's never beat a video game in her life, and she beat all of us in slappers only. So yes, I do think yes. the N64 you know, <laughs> As as you talk about on your show a lot, it's just it's the ultimate like party friendship. Um, okay, we, just just going off that. So multiplayer, were you good? <laughs> no, no. Okay, okay. No, absolutely not. No, I guess because I, all- I suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very hard. Um, I think that I was always the one sort of like launching grenades and then blowing myself up by them yeah, or yeah. walking into my own minds. Um, I was like decent. Like I would never be last, but I would definitely never be first. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. true for, that's true for all the games. Yeah. I'd always try to gear multiplayer things back to smash bros because I could dominate in smash bros, but yeah, you know, yeah. we got, you gotta, you gotta have variety. But totally, I like to win. Totally. I mean, I've never been a super. I, I I talk about this in the Super Mario book, but like, I've never been a super competitive person around like beating other people. Like, that's never been a thing that gives me a lot of a lot of joy. Um, I am very self competitive, so anything that's going to mm-hmm. be like those timed missions in Goldeneye or the the single player campaign, like wanting gotcha. to level up past agent to double O agent or you know double double O seven and all those extra objectives. Um, like I I like long distance running and not sports with balls and points like it's it's always just kind of like about endurance and, sure. and, and completion for me so I, I did i did really love the single player campaign too yeah i mean and and that's the thing and, and these are it's some of the notes that i that i wrote down as i was reading the book too where it really is the single player is um we'll, we'll get more into we'll, we'll probably be jumping all over this game and stuff because there's just so much to talk about and like I said, we, we you're here so we're going to talk about everything we can um the single player is is something that for whatever reason, when I was saying, like, even telling myself when I started the show that, you know, when we get to Goldeneye, I have this distinct feeling that I'm going to have this nostalgia more for the single player than I do even for the multiplayer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that obviously everybody seemed around this time to, to be playing multiplayer on this, whether it's two, three or four people, but the sort of create your own fun type of thing that 
is yeah. is like a, a really big thing you can do in open world games now, or even other FPS games that have come out since then. Like Halo is a prime example of games like that, I think, because of the mechanics. And this is one of those games. But it's clear that in the book, as I'm as you're you know writing about all the experiences and how these guys made this game and how this how Rare made the game, that's exactly what they wanted. You know, in, in some ways, I think I grew up thinking like, oh, we're breaking the game, quote unquote, breaking the game or, oh, we're we're just messing around with the mechanics. And they didn't really want us to do that with the mines or they didn't really want us to do that with the rockets or whatever. But that is what they wanted. And they it seems like they just left things in there to have fun with. And they left things in there that were goofy, like things that we thought were funny. They thought were funny. And that's why they were in there. And I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. They were so motivated by fun. I mean, it was eight guys, um, only two of whom had ever worked on a game before. So they were all these rookies. So crazy. They were just going based on what they loved. And they were playing games with each other the whole time. They were playing Super Bomberman and Doom. And so they they lived in, and really worked in an environment of play all the time. And they play tested everything with each other just to see if it was fun. So that really comes through and they talk about how there are these sandbox elements of GoldenEye that some of them are intentional, some of them are unintentional messiness <laughs> that they left in, whether it's sort of like, you know, little things that you just notice that are little Easter eggs that are super fun or the ability to like shoot a soldier's hat off of his head and they, the hats can start stacking mm -hmm. and you can do weird things and juggle hats and that like the, the kind of multiple routes through a level, multiple ways to beat a level. Um, all of that, that 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 kind of like um, lo-fi open open world concept was was super um, super you know influential on the game being as 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 fun to choose your own path as as it was. Yeah, one of the things that I remembered as as I was reading was um, and as I as I picked up the game again was everything explodes, like everything, yes. everything. <laughs> everything everything the, the chair yeah, you shoot a chair yes. yeah yeah it's just oh okay you know yeah <laughs> and some stuff yeah. it makes sense makes sense so sure the computer's gonna want to know right. you want to know what i picked up right away i was like oh i remember this drawing pictures on the wall with the bullet holes yes and i was yeah, like you can write your name like, yeah i wasn't writing my name i definitely drew a penis and it definitely was like a yes. thing that like yeah. immediately i'm like just you have to do it it was like, exactly. oh, this takes me back. <laughs> you absolutely have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it should it should have been like a cheat code right. or something. Could have got you. Uh, could, yes. could have got you one of the cheats. Yes. It gives you a special I mean, gun. That'd be funny. You remember the remember the prison level that you that you start in? There's definitely like urine stains on the wall. You can see it. Like they've they've drawn that into the art. And, and, yeah. It's <laughs> so, and they're, they're very. They were very prurient themselves. There's quite a few things in there that are like um, naughty schoolboy humor, as they call it. Like the DD, the DD Dostovi uh, pistol was named after Double D bra size. Um, slappers only is actually slapper is a reference to um, prostitutes. It's a British slang term for prostitutes. And then uh, that line where Money Penny in the pre-mission briefing says, um, she says like. Uh, uh, be careful with that chopper, James. And she's she's right. referring to the helicopter. I never got that joke as a kid, but it's because I guess in England, chopper is slang for penis. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. They had you know, all I, <laughs> I rewatched the movie. I think there's a line very similar to that because they sort of do a back and forth uh, in the one scene that they're together. There's something Amazing. similar to that. Amazing. Yeah, but but that's the other thing too, right? It's very easy as a kid to just skip over those like mission briefings, but they're written totally. yeah. really cleverly. Yeah. 
you know, like there, there's there's some, there's some stuff like that. I I easily would have missed that. I don't know. Yeah. A chopper. I knew a chopper was a helicopter. That's what I even now, honestly, until right. until I read that in your book, I never would have made. Yeah, that it's very yeah. British. I mean, I I didn't I didn't get it, but yeah. yeah, they put all kinds of really really silly little things like that in there, and um, they a lot of the time they were literally they told me in the interviews just trying to see what they could get away with. Um, <laughs> yeah, and some yeah. and and sometimes like in the case of David Doak, including himself as a character in the game. They were told no. The developers told them, or even just the inclusion of a multiplayer option. They, their bosses at Rare said, absolutely not. You may not do this. And then they just did it anyway. Well, <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, so just like looking at the beginning of your book, talking about the history of Rare, the history of the game, you know, I love that they didn't want to touch a James Bond. Like they were like, no, no, we don't yeah. want to do a license game. You know, and right. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, that's that's instant money grab because you get auto recognition. Right. But they were like, no, it's right. not original. Like it's not something we want to mess with. And I'm like, that's so interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think um, they were, you know, it was it was rare, kind of at the the height of their powers, and they were getting cocky, and they were, you know, for good reason. They were making beautiful games, and they were really. Um, really interested in, in aiming high and uh, only taking on really high prestige projects. Um, and so they, you know, they, that's how that's how they ended up giving the project to these rookies because they were like, well, th- I guess this will just be something for the new guys to cut their teeth on. It's not going to yeah. matter. It's a it's a movie license game. That's like a kiss of death as far as, um, you know, quality. Those games are always so bad. Um, and, and still, so and honestly, that's still a stain that, that sticks around, right? In a way. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it really right. doesn't. For, it's not, I don't think it's as evident as maybe it yeah. used to be, but Fair enough. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like I would question it too. If I was <laughs> we say this and then I just like, I, I remember that stigma of movie tie in games. And I remember there were a lot of them, but I also remember a lot of good ones that were so much fun. Yeah. Spider-Man two comes to my head. I was like, that yeah. game was yes. so much fun. I was going to bring that one up. Yep. Yeah. I like, there were a couple yeah. matrix games that were really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was just like, it wasn't, yeah. it, you know, it's a stigma because the bad ones that were bad were really bad. But there were <laughs> gems out there. Like, you ever played right. The Incredibles? I know that that's a little more obscure. No, no I haven't. Disney no. Pixar's I, Incredibles I slaps. Oh, my gosh. I have to try it. I did play uh, Peppa Pig on the Xbox with my four-year-old the other day, and it did not slap. It did not slap for me, but it slapped for her. And that's well, what matters. Yeah, that's, that's what matters. What matters. Well, that, next yeah. up is uh, apparently a Bluey game too, and Bluey's, you know, oh, that's great. World. The so that that could be yeah. kind of cool. Bluey's fun. Yeah. I don't even have kids, that's and I've watched cool. a few episodes. I'm like, this show is amazing. <laughs> Bluey's fabulous. It's, Bluey's it's a show great. for any age. I'm coming. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I'll definitely I love the, play that game. The bite, the bite size episodes, everything. It's great. It's excellent. Oh, um, so sweet. So also, sweet. Also, to the uh, um, in the development of everything too, which I didn't know this at all. So. I was just like checking off boxes of I've learned something today. You know, one of those things. Every time I got to a new couple of pages of your book, I was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I have all these like oh great. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Um that this was this was originally similar to what Virtual Cop was, which was which is constantly yeah. brought up in the development that this was an on-rails right. shooter at first, which I had yeah. no idea. I guess it yeah. makes sense based on technology and time and everything, but like I, I just can't even imagine that being this game or even a game like that on the 64 at that time. It feels like it was like that for so long in development too, which is so crazy to me. 
Totally. Yeah, it was real. This was the one thing about the um, development process that I got really mixed answers from the guys about. They really oh. had trouble remembering when it came off the rails. Some of them said, we always wanted to put it off the rails. And others said, you know, we didn't decide for sure that we were going to take it off the rails until after Super Mario 64 came out. And we saw how fun an open world was on the N64. I mean, part of the problem is they didn't have an N64 for the vast majority of the development process. They didn't have the controller. They didn't know what was possible. They didn't know what the console was really going to be able to do. But yeah, they were so committed to the virtual cop model that they would go to the arcade and bring big bags of coins and sort of sit there and feed the machine <laughs> coins and, and really learn virtual cop. Um, one of the, um, uh, the first artists hired on the game, Carl Hilton was giving some advice to his friend, uh, Brett Jones, when Brett was applying to be the next, the second artist on the game. And Brett Jones had never played a video game before. He was a, a real talented, um, artist and he knew a lot about James Bond. He was a huge James Bond nerd, but he didn't play video games. So Carl Hilton told him, listen, in your interview, just make sure you talk a lot about Virtua Cop. It's really important to Martin. And Brett did <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. the job. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah awesome. yeah there's there's i mean i mentioned this in the book but there's there's footage of it on the rail still all the way up through i mean like within maybe six to nine months of it coming out um yeah i think so i wrote down that it was yeah it was so last game. minute it was e396 uh, it's you, you wrote in the book that that it was still technically on rails and that's when mario 64 and gold and i were shown and it's like that's it's just crazy I don't, I don't crazy. Like, and there's still, there's still, there's still definitely levels that show that influence, right? So like the train level really feels like a rails level. It's very linear, mm -hmm. you know, you're, very you're just tight. shooting guys yeah. as they pop out. Um, but the fact that then you can also have levels you get lost in, you know, maze like levels or, or levels where you can really have a different strategy approach depending on, I mean, it just, it, it made the game, the fact that it's open world. Um, and so, yeah, huge, huge decision. Yeah, it's, I, I it's, can't believe that. I can't believe it. I just can't. I, it blows my mind. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. What, what blows yeah. my mind is the fact that they didn't have a dev kit. They didn't have any. Yeah. I remember reading that. I'm like, nothing? Like, <laughs> no, nothing. How yeah. do you design something yeah. for something you have no idea how it's like? I know. That's wild. Know. Yeah, it's 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 wild and it definitely led to a lot of challenges in their process, whether it was the the musicians trying at the last minute to um, mm -hmm. you know, basically they were they were told the N64 could do a lot more than it ended up being able to do. So that meant the artists were screwed on, you know, the the size of some of their images and files. They had to do a lot of work compressing and cutting and, mm -hmm. and um, shrinking things. Same thing with the musicians. Um, and I do think that, you know, the the thing about the N64 controller is that you know, it's, um, I guess, like, uh, according to legend, the controller was really designed for Mario 64. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a controller that plays really well for that game. Um, but then the GoldenEye guys, you know, it's, it's a horrendously sort of horrible controller for a first person shooter. Um, however, if you play with one controller in each hand and, and um, you know, you, you have one control stick for aiming and one for moving, it technically is the first dual analog control stick uh, right. shooter. Right. Which is also, I, I honestly... I don't know how much, how long have, have we have, you know, nerds like me or us been on the internet. I did not know nope, did that not was know. a thing until I think less than a year ago. I had no idea. So no idea. crazy. So <laughs> awkward. And I, I, I feel like now that the game has been re-released for Xbox and yes. um, 
switch, which it wasn't at the time that my book came out. There were rumors about it, right? But it hadn't happened. Now, you know, I don't know about you guys, if you've played it on, on those consoles, but I cannot get used to it. I cannot get oh. used to doing so GoldenEye with dual analog. I kind I, of hate I it. Have, yeah, I have my Xbox controller still sitting beside me because I just, I opened it back up and played like the first two stages oh, again. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, How did it go? Today. So I... So I have I have the cartridge, I have a Switch, and I have it on, on Xbox because I have Game Pass. So I, I dabbled in all of them, but I think I'm just too tailored to playing with dual dual sticks now. So Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I'm I'm kind of the the I'm talking about this game that's twenty-five plus years old, and yet here I am playing it with an Xbox and an Xbox controller. I I yeah. think for me, I just, my mind now works where I have a separate joystick to constantly look around as opposed right. to, right. you know, not relying on auto aim, but auto aim is obviously something that is, that is big in, in, in the original and, yeah. and on the switch as well. It works almost exactly yeah. the same and having to press yeah. R and look around and stuff is, is fine. Cause you don't always have to do it, yeah. but I found I was like looking like I was doing this and I was walking mm. weird directions and stuff, which it's is really cooler. Hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it just feels a little bit awkward. And I don't know if that's because that's the way yeah. it always was, but I don't remember it feeling that way. But it's interesting because me and Jiggy just played uh, Jet Force Gemini and it works almost yes. exactly the same, except yes. that's technically really? third person. Yeah, And that's where I was okay. going to go with this. So I, I, init I, I started playing the Switch version and set it up for dual, dual stick in it. Yeah. Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> So I'm playing dual stick and I'm like, okay, this is cool. But because we played Jet Force Gemini and I went back to this. So I yeah. initially like my replay since the last time I played it, which who knows how many years it's been. Yeah, same. Yeah. I was like first replay dual stick, modern, more modern controls. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to the 64 and I'm like, this feels really good. Like I was, I was almost surprised at how much I enjoyed yeah. playing it on the 64 i'm like this works really well and uh yeah it's so, so true yeah yeah i think i'm the same i mean I, I i love having a dual control stick for everything modern but for whatever reason my like golden eye muscle memories are mm. tied to the n64 controller mm -hmm. and i mm -hmm. don't know how to function if i'm firing with my right finger instead of my left <laughs> yeah. finger and I, but yeah, that 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 R button aim was such a pain in the ass because you did have to do it on the higher difficulty levels. The yeah. auto aim was less yeah. um, intense, and so or in in multiplayer, you know, it's really helpful to to use that R. But it is terrible, and um, especially <laughs> yeah. if your control stick if your if your N sixty four controller is like a little old and the control stick is a little sticky, you're you're in big trouble. Yeah, because yeah. because it's true when you're aiming at the cameras or the turrets on the on the ceiling yeah. and stuff. You, you, oh yeah. There's no auto aim with those, none. So those yes. those and levels. It's not super subtle. No, yeah. and it's it's not. Yeah, and and those turrets are yeah. are relentless. They they oh, can yeah. find you <laughs> from a couple of pixels. You know, yeah. like they just beat the crap out of you. I just yeah. I was like, are you kidding? I thought I was good at this game. <laughs> totally destroying those cameras is one of the tensest moments for me because like as soon as it you know you, you, you as soon as it sees you you're screwed but um yeah. it takes forever to aim with the stupid Just... thing and so it's, it's, it's very <laughs> yeah i i found in and not to jump ahead into levels but uh the jungle level with the mm -hmm. the oh. drones that come out of the ground they're like hiding in the bushes Brutal. i'm like mother grabber <laughs> I, was getting, <laughs> I was getting mad yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just brutal. It really is. And um, 
yeah, I, I still struggle on that level every time. <laughs> yeah, when, when I when I played that, I was like, oh, I, I honestly, I, I only sort of forgot about some of the levels because like I mentioned earlier with the like sort of, you know, make your own fun type of thing. It seems like a lot of people like repeated same levels, whether it was dam or whether it was, you know, whatever, whatever. usually yeah. like yeah. jungle wasn't yeah. one of those, I think maybe because it was just yeah. like turrets and then what would you could call a boss fight right essentially and there's just less totally. experimentation with that there's there's less how about this there's less tables and chairs to blow up so there's you know like there's yeah <laughs> yeah um less those, less reason to fill a room with mines i guess <laughs> it's true those levels are especially interesting for me to watch one of my favorite run-throughs to watch is the um beating goldeneye with like only one bullet um, cause you can do it. Some people have done it and they, the only bullet you need actually is to, um, shoot the lock off the gate in dam. Oh, everything else, uh, that you, you can do. And it, it, it's incredible, especially on levels like that, because you're thinking how, how, how are you going to get through? How can you do a defense only approach and cross the bridge past Xenia? How can you get yeah. past those turrets that are so, so less, so much less forgiving than the guards that you can kind of sneak past because they're stupid and slow. Yeah. <laughs> Purposely ah. stupid, which, which I don't mind. That's totally fine. That's why you can shoot their hat off. That's why you can just, yeah. you know, yeah. just shoot them in the butt and like, you know, the little animations that they have and everything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that stuff. Exactly. Um, that level yeah. actually with the jungle was actually kind of cool when I, when I went back to it was like, Oh, this, you know, it's, you mentioned the music earlier and like the, the music in this, you know, when it's a licensed game or when it's such a recognizable property, especially a Bond theme and right. based on a movie that came out years before, um, yeah. they did a great job of the music. And and somehow yeah. this is one of those games where like the fog of war uh, works in, in this level because you're in a yeah. in yeah. misty jungle or whatever. And I was like, ooh. Right. I feel this level. I like it. I like it. It was, I actually enjoyed it more yeah. than I thought I would, or more than I remember enjoying anyway. <laughs> right. You got that kind of Turok effect in the, in the jungle, yes, but it's, it's, it definitely makes sense. It's, it's earned. They were, yeah. you know, the, one of the things the developers were always so self-conscious about when I talked to them was, was the frame rate um, mm -hmm. and, and the fog and the things they were doing to kind of cover some of those issues. Um, they're still very embarrassed about it. And I was just like, guys like it was 1996 like what what are you <laughs> yeah, gonna do i mean yeah. you, you did beautiful work and they're they're so british they just refuse any compliments they absolutely <laughs> hated being complimented by me and i was like i have to compliment you i'm writing a book about how beautiful your game is and they they would just like wince every time i said something <laughs> nice and oh no 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 <laughs> the most humble humbles humblest sweetest guys yeah i well it's and it sounds it comes through in the book for sure um <laughs> Good. but uh but jiggy you were mentioning to me i think when we were talking about playing it like last week or something like that you said that you ran into some of the frame rate stuff but um i none of it none of, none of it bothered me i don't know did it did it cause any problems for you or okay so <laughs> yes uh okay. it, like and i have a very i have a very high tolerance for frame rate dipping like yeah me and too. Support, like my favorite <laughs> my favorite game of all time is banjo tooie and the frame rate is locked at a solid 24 and it often dips below that you know yeah. so i'm like yeah. really accustomed but uh i'm trying to think it's one of the it's one of the beginning levels uh where you have to go like it's right when you meet trevlin for the first time it's that level and oh, uh, yeah. like the gas canisters and everything yep so in there, I triggered an alarm, and then you get like, I don't know how many guys coming at you. Like they just load, 
like to the point yeah. where your game is like like stuttering, right? And I'm trying to power through it. I'm just firing, firing. My game froze. And this happened not Ooh. once, but twice for me. And I was it's mad like a, because it's like, it's not at the beginning. It's not at the end. It's like yeah. midway through the mission and I just have to start over. So, yeah. And, and yeah. when all that stuff's rough. blowing up and everything, I think when all the explosions went off is sort of when I noticed it. I think that might've been one of the stages, yeah. but like, I, I don't know. I mean, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to kill everybody and get out of here. Like I just sort of did it quick and it was, it was fine. It didn't, like, yeah. it didn't stop me. I still yeah, kept exactly. playing. I was just like, <laughs> ah. It's not like yeah. collecting a bunch of tribals to complete the game, Jet Force oh my Gemini. God. Oh my God. <laughs> no, it's definitely not that. Thank God. Um, it's way worse. I mean, it is way worse on the on the multiplayer, I think. When when you yeah. have four, because we had this happen the other night when I was playing with my buddies, when you have four separate screens and they all have explosions going in grenade mode, it's just terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it slows down to like 10, you know, and you're like, okay, I can't. But I I did think it was way worse. I, in, as a whole, I think the frame rate issue was way worse in Perfect Dark uh, than in GoldenEye, which is a real one of the biggest reasons I, I never could get into Perfect Dark. I just yeah, I, I remember that being the case. But I, I never I don't have a ton of experience with Perfect Dark, but I do remember that being the thing. But it's like also yeah. this and a lot of games that came out, out around this time. I was like, well, if you had that expansion pack, it would have you know really boosted things or whatever. Good point. But it wasn't out yet. They didn't know it was coming probably at right. that point. Like all of that stuff. Um, in yeah. a, in a similar way, I find it. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little, uh, maybe, maybe you look this up. Maybe you have a note on it at least, but yeah. So the entire game was 12 megabytes. The entire game. Yes. That's first yeah. of all, insane that it's just that size. Right. You wrote the way you describe it in the book is, and, and I'm, I'm going to preface it by saying kids these days might not know what 12 megabytes is. Um, right. How, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many copies of this game could fit in a 64 gigabyte cell phone do you remember what that number is i'm i'm, I'm looking in my own book because i forgot it's it's okay. crazy it, i know that it is 5333 <laughs> that is that is only 64 wow. gigs which which at this point this point sitting in the middle of 2023 oh my is, lord is, yeah, is very easy to get, you know, 64 is almost nothing at this point, right? Um, I just, and then and then it goes, it just, it goes back to your point of being like, yeah, so what if there's a little bit of slowdown? Look what you had to work right. with. Right, <laughs> like, right. It's, these guys were masters, the, they were yeah. masters. Like, they did. one of the themes that came up in talking to the GoldenEye guys and the Super Mario Brothers 3 people was that, they these designers really like they miss this period when you could design a triple a title on a team of under a dozen people mm. working really really closely and where the constraints led to creativity and the constraints was a mm -hmm. was a fun obstacle for them that, that made them come up with their best ideas um and now they, they they sort of sound a little cynical about the fact that you know most most textures in modern games are, are far larger than 12 megabytes and um you know every but everything got bigger and so teams got bigger for these triple a triple a games um the teams got bigger you you may never know all the people working on the game with you and mm -hmm. um so so they definitely kind of refer to this as like a golden era of of game design for them yeah well i can imagine even some of the pictures that you, that are in your book about just you know a small little office of them yeah. just you know working around these tiny little computers and having TVs and just books and resources yeah. and things just everywhere it's like it feels like they were 
on their own little college campus, you know, like that's really what it, what it looked like. And each like team, which like you said, under a dozen people, uh, you know, probably on yeah. average around, around that, you know, rare campus was, could fit within a couple of rooms. And they just, that's like, that's where this game was made. That's, it's just, oh, I just. So, so absolutely. that, yeah. that aspect of it, um, like what you said is almost verbatim something I heard um, Awanuma who is the director of Zelda and Tears of the Kingdom that just came mm-hmm. out on Switch. Um, he was talking about how he appreciates that when people, whenever people bring up like, oh, Nintendo hardware is so like last gen, it's out of date, yeah. it doesn't have enough. He yeah. said that exact thing. He's like, I love when we're limited by that because that's when we get creative. That's when mm. we come up with yeah. new concepts to utilize yeah. those limitations in a way that makes a fun gameplay style, you know? Right. And there is right. definitely truth yeah. to that. Yeah, as a writer, you know, I, I use this concept uh, in teaching writing all the time. You know, you need the constraint of a sonnet to write a beautiful poem mm-hmm. because it forces you to be concise, to be um, careful, to be intentional. Um, mm-hmm. It forces you to think of not the very first word that comes into mind, but the one that will rhyme with the word that you need. Um, all of those constraints, yeah, are, are super important for creativity. And they're what creates fun in the process. So games are fun because they have rules. Games are fun okay. because they constrain you. When you're outside with your friends and you're like, what should we do? And it's like, I don't know. Like, it's not fun. But when you're like, let's play this game and there are rules involved, it, that's what creates fun. So yeah. it's super interesting. It's a very Japanese idea too. Um, and I guess a, a British one too, that um, smallness and, and, and tightness and um, miniatures, you know, are, are especially exciting. But I definitely, you know, b- both in terms of how close they felt as a small team and in terms of how they felt creatively inspired by their constraints, it was amazing to me to hear how nostalgic these guys were about their experiences making the game. Because of course I'm writing this book because I feel so nostalgic about playing the game. Right. Right. Which is, which is wild. It's, it's, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. Right. It's, is that, is that why I'm doing this? Probably. That's why we have it. Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, so I, lo- I love that. And I love the fact that I, that, that it's 12, 12 megabytes, right. That's the size. Cause I, I had to look it up because I'm like, okay, rare, like I know Conquer was more Conquer, Rep and Conquer. Uh, I know yeah. Conquer yeah. was more. I, I just wanted to talk about my shirt. That's why I'm bringing this up. Um, <laughs> Conquer was like the end of the 64 life, you know, the end of that era. And I was like, I wonder what that cartridge size kind of got to. And it said mm. Conquer maxed out at 64 megabytes. So you think Ooh, even that? I remember yeah. having a you know a flash drive that was. I don't know, 256 mm-hmm. megabytes back in the day. And I'm like, those, like yeah. all of that, all that content squeezed into that small little package, but 12 megabytes is even more impressive. Like that's, I, Golden Eye's not even, short. It's it's a decent sized game. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, yeah, yeah. I was going I was going You're through so it and yeah. And kind of like what you, what you mentioned earlier, at least where you said like, oh, you know, you want to sort of have those goals for yourself where you're conquering the different, you know, difficulties, for example, like playing Conquer. it in single player and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where you're conquering <laughs> the, yeah. Um, that was, that'd be a cool mashup. Um, and I, so I started on, on the middle, the regular difficulty. I, I don't remember offhand exactly what it was. I think it's just secret agent, I think. Um, and I ran into a little bit of a wall in the difficulty and I want to find exactly what stage it was. I think it was one of the last ones, maybe 
caverns or control control i think maybe control is very oh control okay. <laughs> okay so it's not just yeah. me. That, that, no, no no okay no. that that's where she has to <laughs> yeah. like you know she has to go she's on the computer and you have to kind of save her or, or keep her alive or whatever yeah yes. i don't know yes. how many times she got Incredibly she was killed and i'm like i can't i can't do this i can't yeah. what am i supposed to do like jump in front of a bullet i don't even know that's there like how am i supposed to do this so Sometimes i did that you do yeah well that's what i ended up doing i just instead of you know standing by the stairs where the guys were coming around coming down and stuff i just yeah. ended up standing I, I took the hits. I came, I stood in like on either side of her. I, yeah. I just went left to right and just did a half circle around her while she was, you know, doing her, her fist yeah. smacking of the keyboard. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it, yeah, actually the funny, the funniest thing of the animation is yes, there's lots of animations that they had fun with, with the, um, with the guards and everything. When you shoot them, you shoot them in, in the groin, you shoot them in the butt, you hit their hat, their arm, yeah. their leg, all that stuff is amazing. Um, the funniest thing to me is when she's typing sometimes, uh, when the when any character's typing sometimes when they type because they don't have fingers, they can't really they couldn't really pull that off, which is fair enough. It's just what it is. She kind of so like fun. flip flips her wrist up. She kind of she's typing. She just goes up like this, as if she's like giving the computer the finger, but they can't right. animate the you know the middle finger. That's what it looks like. It's almost like she's going. That's oh, such a great catch. I hadn't yeah. thought about that, but you're totally right. Bond, totally you right. saved me. You, oh, you did such a great job, and then it looks like she's going. You know what? Fuck you. Like that's what it looks like she was doing. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Um. So yeah. So and that stage got to- me, and then I bumped the the difficulty down one notch. And then I forgot yeah. that if you don't beat it in one difficulty, you can't continue on the next level on that other difficulty. Right. So I was right. like, oh, yeah. do I have to yeah. go back and do this? And That's then I where did. I did it and the easiest mode possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, I, it I, gets incredibly difficult in those later levels, especially once you... Yeah. Well, no, I mean, even, even the difference between Dam on Agent and Dam on 007 is pretty extraordinary. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's just the yeah. start. That's the first stage. Um, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I can still beat Super Mario Brothers 3, you know, no problem. Like, with yeah. Warp Whistles, give me 10 minutes, I'll beat the game. But yeah. but, but GoldenEye, <laughs> when, I was, when I was replaying it to write this book... I couldn't beat it on 007. I, yeah. I couldn't finish it. I got to controls and I couldn't pass that. It was just okay. too hard. All right. So it's not, okay. It's no okay. You get you guys are making me feel better. It's not just me. It was that stage and it was that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. It's all, all right. okay. Yeah. Well, that's all yeah. we need to talk about. As long as I feel better about myself. That's it. <laughs> ego boost. Full ego boost. All right. Great. Amazing. Um, do you have, uh, at least you have a standout level that you remember either replaying or one that when you replayed, you're like, oh, that's the one that I really appreciate. Like, I know those might be two different things, but if there isn't, we can go first yeah. and, and whatever. Um, but yeah, I just thought I would I, jump I into actually, that. I actually, like control, I actually like control a lot because um, mm-hmm. I, I write about this in my Mario book, but I have I have complicated feelings about like damsels in distress because mm. I know that they can be, you know, a little bit regressive and all of that. And I, I want women to be um, saving men and saving other women. And I want all of that. But I also, yeah. you know, I am a lesbian. And so I, I like a good like damsel to take care of and to, to, to you know, to protect <laughs> and to do this chivalrous, sure. you know, like taking bullets for her, just like you explained. So that, that level is a bit of a thrill, you know, narratively for me, maybe. Um, but I think gameplay wise, my favorite is the sneaky bunker level where you need mm. to break out of your um, cell and sneak around when you're playing that on um, a higher difficulty level. It's just wild. I mean, you can't make any noise. You have to slap people. You have to use the throwing knives. Um, 
it's very unforgiving to any kind of noise. And I love that the game offers us these like run and gun macho levels, but also these very sneaky, quieter, strategic levels where I, you know, I, I probably played it like three dozen times just trying to figure yeah. out, okay, if, if I get my gun first with the silencer, can I, you know, oh, but I have to be too loud to get that. So where should I? It's just a very fun, like cognitive puzzle added onto um, your kind of Twitch reflex uh, skills. Yeah. And that's one that you can get overwhelmed in pretty quickly because, you know, they just kind of keep spawning out of, I guess. Yeah, they just keep coming. Right. So regardless of what difficulty you're on, you you could be mowing down enemies if you make too much noise, like you said, for days if you survive. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. You you can't think for one minute that you can just kill all the bad guys and keep going. They they will keep coming. And so I love that. What are y'all's favorite levels? And that's another one with the with the camera and stuff as well. Right. We have to take the cameras out and everything. So Mm -hmm. I I really like that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I think that's one that I definitely re- remember replaying a bunch. I don't know why that was the one that I went back to, but I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if as a kid, as someone who's, you know, 10 years old or 12 years old, uh, that's the one I'd go back to because the enemies kept spawning, because I could put yeah. in the cheats and I could have a bunch of mines everywhere, have 12 of them all in like a staircase and just see the explosions go nuts. Like I think that's probably why that was one of them. Um, And then I do remember playing the the train quite a bit. Uh, I I remember Mm -hmm. playing that a decent amount. I really appreciated um, this time uh, surface. Surface is the one where oh yeah, that's you're in the, you're it's pretty open. It's not that long of a level, but it's open. You're in the snow. Um, Mm -hmm. as far as I remember rewatching the movie, that is not something that happens. It's one of the additional sort of stages or at least an expansion of the movie. And I just, it felt, it felt ahead of its time when I'm sitting there playing this again for the first time in like, you know, probably 17 years or something. I was like, oh, they, you know, talking about the fog of war and all those types of things in jungle, this was that, but in one sort of like large circular area and you could kind of do things in any order you wanted and you know enemies kept spawning but it never felt like you were in a tunnel you were literally out in the open and like all that stuff was a lot of fun so i think that's the one that stood out to me and also it gave me a good chance to use a sniper and i always love sniping in games so um yes oh yeah yeah. for sure (laughs) yeah i uh i personally first off i love damn like the dam is yeah. just, it's so much fun. It's, it's iconic. It's got, it's got so much going for it. And I, I hate to be a one note yeah. song because often when I think of games, like the first levels tend to be my favorite. And mm. I don't know if that's yeah. like, I don't know if that's a, if that's a me thing or if that's like me just thinking like, wow, this is when they were fresh. This is when they were like, this is the idea. Let's hit it hard. Right. And you know, right. they go, because right. there's so much, there's so many elements in dam that you can go through. Like, they have the alarm system. It's like disable the alarms. There's uh, yeah. there's the whole like shoot the lock to get through the thing like you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And it feels very spy-like. Yeah, and it yeah. feels giant. And there's even the the uh, extra mission that you put the modem in the, you know, yeah. in, in, the, oh. in the thing, in the PC or whatever. But it's like there's so much going on. And there's like right. it, it's the level that really made me feel like a spy rather than run and gun kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And plus yeah. it's also got that dope cutscene yeah. at the end when you bungee off the dam, which is awesome. Um, well, so great. It, it's I it's funny you be... mentioned that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to finish. It's... I also like streets. Yeah, 
because uh, you can hop in a tank. And uh, I I wanted to bring that one up because I I watched the movie. Like, I rewatched the movie just for this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. (laughs) I got to watch the movie because I haven't seen it since I was a kid or since I was really young. And then he gets in the tank and goes, and I'm like, yeah, I forgot about that. And then I'm playing the game. I got to that level, and I was like, I got to get in the tank. I was like, I don't even like you. Don't even need to get in the right, tank. I just, right. I was like, whoa. <laughs> right. Yes. It's such a great level. The guy, the guys were joking with me that they they they, they feel kind of embarrassed of that level because it was a little thrown together at the last minute, and they mm. and they they're very conscious of the fact that like the way the graphics work in the first person perspective, like bond becomes a tank. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, right. it's, it's, you could see it be bond, but you just, your weapon is a tank. Um, and and I, I love that. I love that. But it's funny be, that you mentioned that. Be the that tank, you, be you the like, tank, you know? Yeah. Like you, you are yeah. the tank. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned you like those early games because it's while they still had the idea. But I, what, what's really funny is like in both Mario three and in Goldeneye, the first levels were the ones they designed last because they wanted ah. to leave them for last. So they could make sure that they were introducing yeah. all the mechanics um, at the uh, beginning of the game the way they wanted to. And I, I just love that because it's something I, it's advice I give yeah. my students all the time. Like write your introduction to your paper last when you, once right you on. know what you want to introduce, you know? It completely makes sense because at that point, I mean, especially with the way, like we talked about, the way things changed so much in that last year leading up to release, especially with a game like yeah. this or with games at that time. Absolutely. Because now you know the basis of of the rest of the game or at least you know the vast majority right. potentially and all that and and it's it's you know that that level is is great because just like a lot of stages in this um because i i after i i read the book and after i played the game i watched the movie and i just wanted to compare yeah. notes on that yeah. and same thing i haven't watched it in years it's been i don't even know how long probably even longer than than since i've played the game um and I just love the expansion of what they did because it's sort of like I wrote this yeah. down because it reminds me of I have some friends and I'm, Mike, I'm sure you're listening. I, I disagree <laughs> with you, but I'm going to I'm going to call you out just a little bit. Um, you know, there, there's talk that, you know, the like Rogue One and Star Wars is sort of an expansion on one sentence that said saying like, oh, these are right. the secret plans. And that's it, right? You don't yeah. need to know that story. Right. I I disagree oh. with that completely. I think it's a great movie. I think the story of itself of of the plans and how it all works is mm-hmm. interesting. Even if it wasn't mm-hmm. in that movie, even mm-hmm. if it was in a novel or whatever, that's just my opinion mm-hmm. on it. Doesn't have to be everybody's, Wait, obviously. Is, is your friend saying that he doesn't like Rogue One because that's a great movie? He he's. I, I think agree he's with your friend. I <laughs> for exactly the reason you. I totally respect. I totally respect that uh-huh. it is a really uh-huh. good movie. It's yeah. just not a movie I enjoy. But it's but it's because I think if you love Star Wars, some people are really more drawn to like the lightsabery stuff, and some people are more drawn mm-hmm. to like the Han Solo-y stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm just more of a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see people using the force. I want to see lightsaber duels. Like I want to, I'm not as into like the espionage. Like I'm not a huge fan okay. of Andor. So that's the only yeah. reason. It's, like, it's funny enough. you say that because I feel like it gave us one of the most badass Darth Vader scenes in a movie. It did. Like, I, I think that's it true. Did, yeah. yeah. It was pretty it awesome. It does have a very badass Darth Vader scene. So, yeah, yeah that's, exactly. That's, that's, and, that's, that's no, no. And lie. the reason yeah. why I bring that up is because yes, that's a much larger expansion of a, of a singular idea for sure. But When you start a movie with a guy jumping off a dam, yes, you suspect that it's James Bond, but the fact that they show you how he gets there and you, you are him getting to that point. 
Like you spend, let's say 20 minutes, half an hour, if you're messing around, whatever it might be, like, or, mm-hmm. or speed running it and just using one bullet, um, you're James Bond in that moment. And then you begin the movie. And so I true. love that that's how they started. They so could true. easily, yeah, yeah, you are, you are <laughs> holding the gun. Um, they could have easily started this with the ending of that, of that stage of dam jumping off of the dam yeah. could have just been the start of the game and it would have been totally fine. It would have been great, but they created a game that, like you said, introduces a bunch of mechanics, alarms, sneaking, you know, going behind yeah. the, the truck, I think is, is such a fun way to start so things. Fun. Yeah. Um, so fun. And, and yeah, it's you're totally right. I, I mean, like it, it, it feels like almost like a prequel, like you're, they're immersing you into his, yeah. um, because those opening James Bond action sequences before mm. the plot of the movie actually starts are such yeah. a wonderful tradition of the genre and of the series. And my, my grandfather's favorite thing to say is after that opening huge action sequence that they have in every movie, he always will turn to you and go, it could happen. <laughs> and that's like that's our tradition and, and then the movie starts right like yeah, after yeah. the big cre- uh, music music credit scene but yeah it's fun that you get to participate in that um in the game for sure yeah those are those are little additions um so we talked about favorite yeah. stages or favorite ones that we remember and stuff any guns in particular that that are your favorite you know, I mean, I love the laser because I'm kind yeah. of a sci-fi fan. And so I thought that was a really fun thing to yes. do in that little that bonus a, level to have the laser. Is, yeah, that, that's it's up there for satisfying. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the RCP-90, the RCP-90 is really fun. Um, that, so that's the one that always y'all? stood out to me as a, as a kid, for sure. So when I finally yeah. picked it up in the game, I was like, yes, I got it. And it, it's fun. It just shoots super fast. And it was, it's, it's really cool. But so I like... Exciting. But I actually found this time that maybe because it's very all around, it's strong, whatever. Maybe it's just overpowered. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the assault rifle is kind of that. I found that to be yeah. very effective yeah. because Super you do fun. have a yeah, you have a zoom on it and everything. Um, so Super in single fun. in single player, at least it was it was really good. Multiplayer, I feel like um, I feel like even the club was good, even though it's like you know a spray machine. <laughs> um, but, Le- uh, legendarily bad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Jiggy, what about you? Am I the only one that loves the original, like just the PPK? Because no, not at oh, all. Yeah, PPK honestly, honestly, yeah. like it's. I found myself playing through levels, and when you start with that, I would often just keep using it because it's. You get up. It's especially with the silence around it. You go up. You're like, yeah. Pew pew. It's incredible. Pew. Yeah. Pew pew. Yeah. You know, really it's nice. not only the sound effect, but it's also like it's pretty powerful. Like it only takes. Yeah a few hits to down pretty much any enemy. I mean, it's not ideal for every situation, but I found myself using it more than I thought I would like a base weapon. Like you never stick with the standard, but I was like, this is a pretty good standard. It's, it's a good go-to. It's a good thing to always have. And I, I love actually that reminds me two things just reminded me of, of what we're talking about. The guns is the, with the pistol. I love the sound effect of the silencer of that and the the sniper and stuff. They did such a good job with that. Um, and then, um, I think it was, I think, yeah, in the movie, I realized some of the sound effects in the game they took from the movie. So like when some of the bullets are hitting off the wall and stuff, like the ricochet of the bullets, yeah, those sound effects are in the movie. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought that was just a game. Thing. This is amazing. <laughs> so that little things like that were, were really like fun touches. Cause they, I guess they kind of had some time in order to, to, to implement those things. But those little touches I thought were great. Um, and then because I mentioned the club, I know at least we should talk about that a little bit because 
Um, The Clob was something that has like a little bit of a story to it because like you said, it's like infamously weak, but that was a thing that the team knew about. Like they, that that's what they did. Yeah, they did that to us on purpose for sure. They they just <laughs> thought it was really fun to have a big range of weapons, right? They yeah. they kind of modeled this after Doom, but we're able to talk about all these guns we love now because they all have their own sort of feel and personality, and that's mm-hmm. that those differences are created by, of course, how the gun looks and sounds, but also the sort of rate of fire, the the speed of reload, the accuracy, the amount of damage inflicted by each bullet. Um, and so th- those created a really unique feel for each gun. And, and so they did want to have a gun that kind of was a little bit wild and, and sprayed everywhere and, and was a little bit, um, Duncan Botwood describes the club as chattery um, and just having like a oh, lot yeah, of Yeah, I read that and I was like, um, oh, or yeah. I, I've, I've seen that in other places okay. too and before this. And yeah. it reminds, I was like, that's, a, that's what it's, it sounds like, uh, like the plastic chattering teeth wind up teeth thing yes. when you shoot yeah. it. That's yeah. What it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of feels like cheap or something like lightweight. And it, it, it might just be because it's so inaccurate and it, it inflicts so little damage, but um, they always do point out that on licensed kill mode, one hit kill mode, it's the best weapon because it's got such a widespread. And um, so it's the amount of damage inflicted doesn't matter at all. Right. Um, but yeah, I think the the thing to keep in mind about the the guys making this game is they were, they were um, British guys who had never been around weapons before. None of them had ever fired a gun. So they mm-hmm. had a big picture book called Firearms of the World. And they were just looking <laughs> for the the guns that looked cool. They were really inspired by the movie Heat and John Woo mm-hmm. action movies. And they wanted the the guns that were in those movies. Of course, the the weapons that were in GoldenEye, the movie they included. Um, and so, yeah, they were they were just kind of going off what they what they thought looked cool and, and sounded cool. And um, when they when they ended up making the club, they they needed to give all these games, uh, all these guns, alternate names because right. the uh, Nintendo legal people were concerned about copyright infringement on real gun names. So they named the club. The club was mod- modeled after a, a gun called the Scorpion. And changed the name to the spider. And then after 800,000 instruction manuals were printed with the name spider as the club in them, they found out that spider is the name of a paintball gun. And so they had to uh, change it again. And this time they decided to name it Clob after Ken Lobb, the Nintendo of America employee who had really gone to bat for the game and um, really kind of pushed for them to be allowed to include the multiplayer at the last minute. And now now all the guys feel sort of guilty that they named this terrible weapon after after <laughs> Ken Lobb, but he's, he's super happy. He's, he's like, no, I love this. It's great. Um, I, you know, they, they kind of joke like, uh, or Ken Lobb will say, yeah, it's, it's really loud and wildly inaccurate. That's me. That's great. It's, I mean, it's just sounds like all these guys are just having so much fun, you know, like, like you mentioned so before, it's amazing how like the fun that they had and the camaraderie that they had and, um, yeah. all that stuff, it, it shows in the final product. I mean, like there's, this is just like such a monumental game. Because yes, yeah. there were there were first person shooters available before this, but unless you had a PC, which you know some right. people did, and unless you had one that could run Doom, or unless you were allowed to own Doom uh, yeah. as a kid, good point. Like yeah, right. I, I never I never owned it. It was always at a friend's place, and right. I don't know. I feel like yeah. you know it was it was shareware and stuff, right? So it's easy to get a hold of, but. I also never had internet until I was in high school. Like all of that kind of stuff was yeah. just not available to me, and yet. The, this this is what stands out as that like doom is obviously iconic Castle, uh, it's castlevania wolfenstein is is obviously you know those those games are there but there's something about this game that is just ingrained in gaming 
and just culture in general. And uh, I just, I, it's insane. It's just insane that these guys did this in such a small, with such a small team in like a a tight space. (laughs) I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out there because we were talking about how, how much fun they must've been having and stuff. So the book has pictures and you get those, those pictures of like, I'm looking at Martin Hollis right now, convinced uh, Mm -hmm. David, uh, is it Doak? David Doak? Sorry. I'm, yeah, my font's small. I need glasses. Uh, but you know, you just look at the pictures, and they're sitting there. They're smoking a cigarette. You know, long ponytail, like yeah. you know, <laughs> drinks. If you look at the table, there's just yeah. drinks everywhere, and it's like yeah, you know, they were having they a good time. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. They have all kinds of stories about sneaking off campus because you weren't allowed to uh, to smoke at rare, so they would sneak right. across the street to a little church uh, church backyard or something, and they. Um, yeah, they were just so young and, um, you know, honestly, they were, they were quite close to, to people, my students age now, and I teach people who are trying to create their own art. And so I yeah. found it to be a really inspiring reminder that if you're making something and, and you are genuinely enjoying it, you are having fun, you are being true to yourself, you are being honest and, and it's, and it's moving to you, then it will be meaningful to someone else. Um, we, we, we get so focused on like imagining what our readers or our viewers or our listeners, I guess in y'all's case want. Um, but then I, at the end of the day, like you have to, you are your own first audience. And I think those, mm-hmm. those guys, like you described it with how much fun they were having, um, really stayed true to that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's just a fun time. I just, I, I, yeah. I was, I was worried it was going to be, I mean, maybe it's like, maybe it's, you know, using the Xbox controller and it sort of like ended up working out for me a little bit more. I, I still felt totally fine playing it with the, with the 64 controller. It didn't bother me at all, but like, I, you know, there's enough chatter online. It's very easy to be cynical, very easy to be like, yeah. you know, mean on the okay. internet behind a username and stuff. So there's like chatter right. there that, that spreads. That's like, oh, this game doesn't hold up and oh, it's, it's trash now and whatever. And I just do not agree, especially after revisiting it. Like, yeah, it's, it feels like it was made when it was, but that's not a bad thing. You know, that is a positive in my mind. Totally. I mean, it's like when you, um, when you see a picture of like your grandfather, when he was like old and kind of hot and kind of like good looking and like, you're like, Oh, you must've gotten all the girls. And like, if you could go back in time and like throw down with him, he could throw down, you know, and now he's old, he's older and he, but he throws down in a different way. Um, and he, you know, he's got kind of bad knees and, and, uh, maybe, maybe he can't always remember things. It's like, yeah, this game shows its age for sure. That's, that's not, there's no debate there. Um, it's not as perennially great as Super Mario Three, I don't think, but um, it it still throws down now. And for its time, um, it really, really threw down and was yeah. incredibly new and, and innovative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's like so. So this is so. That's my cat. She just full disclosure. Oh. My, my my cat just scared the crap out of me because she just like <laughs> jumped. <laughs> She jumped. I had the door closed. She jumped on the door and like threw it open and uh, like reacted. Oh so if anybody sees a video of this, they're going to see me like react at some point. Um, Amazing. But anyways, uh, so my my YouTube channel, I actually started because I saw a video about someone bashing Donkey Kong 64. Absolutely and I was not. like, I love Donkey Kong 64. Nope. And I <laughs> so I, uh, I started my YouTube channel. I was like, I love it. Here's why. And I made a video about it. And so like, I'm so, 
like people online say they don't like a game. I'm like, that makes me like it more at this point. I'll show you. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. No, there's, there's something so many to reasons it. to like a game. And yeah. you know, one of those is that the game's really good. But it's yeah. not necessarily <laughs> always the case that that's why we like something. I mean, there it could be nostalgia, it could be that it, it hit you in the in the feels of just because of who you are or because of where you were at with your life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you we shouldn't we shouldn't be trying to yuck anyone's yum. I, I I'm big on that. Yeah, absolutely. And like um <laughs> and just just to uh just to just to to wrap up with just how many copies were out there of this game um i believe this is worldwide but it is the third best-selling game on the console yes it was bundled with some consoles but as we know you didn't have to get it then in order to get this Mm -hmm. game eight million ninety thousand copies uh according to the uh, yeah so yeah uh, a little Austin Powers, which, by the way, we haven't brought up Austin Powers, but I could, I could not help <laughs> he, he think of Austin yes, Powers. Yes, he told yes, me yes, he was yes, going to yes. bring it up. <laughs> that could, was me could not, for him. Just, I set it up. Just, this yeah. <laughs> yeah, Austin Powers um, so was was one of those so movies good. that I watched a little bit too early, or at least the first one, anyway. Um, <laughs> but was constant, constantly, constantly on. Um, I mean, really, as yeah. a yeah, as a. 12 13 year old i probably shouldn't have watched the first one but it was like always fun, so. um, especially the second one but you know it's, it's funny because you know it's they're not they're not fantastic movies they're just goofy or whatever but watching golden eye mm-hmm. again playing through it yeah. and all the, like just small things small hints here yes. and there i was like oh that's yes. awesome powers yeah. or oh you know like yeah. i knew it was riffing right. on on james bond at that. the time but I didn't <laughs> yeah. really understand what they were riffing on. And it's just, this is a, one of those movies because the movie was so big, it's easy for them to, for him, for Mike Myers to have to go and, and grab from a movie like this, not just, you know, the Sean Connery right. days, for example, and stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know about just, y'all, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely one of those millennials that like saw, like played the game before I saw the movie. In fact, I don't think I'd ever yes. seen a James Bond movie before playing this game. It introduced me to the entire yes. franchise. And so one of the arguments I make in the book is that, Goldeneye, the game, I think played a major role in, in saving the Bond franchise. And then, yeah. you know, in terms of like your your show at large, I think Goldeneye played a really significant role in saving the N64 and therefore saving Nintendo. And I know that's a huge claim and I know that it's not 100% accurate, but we have to make fun big claims. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Nintendo 64 would have totally flopped if it weren't for Goldeneye. We know that from sales numbers um, and just from, you know, the way people were writing about it online. Like, I, I yeah. guess I have to get an N64 now so that i can play this game um and without the n60 i mean you know the n64 just kind of scraped by and and that's that's how nintendo lived to fight another day with the gamecube yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no kidding um but but it's true like that it's yes there's other there were other games in development at this time and yes there were things that came out 98 99 2000 or whatever but i don't know that like late 99 mid 2000 like those last couple of you know years of the console really would have happened unless you have this because even just looking at the right. top like sales charts quickly if goldeneye was out yeah. in 97 the closest yeah. one that has high sales is diddy kong racing in 97 and Star Fox 64 which came out just before everything else is mario kart super mario and then everything else is 98 99 2000 right so yeah so yeah. a lot of those games you know i'm sure donkey kong 64 was being you know at least early stages at, at when this game was being made, but 
also also rare. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe they wouldn't have been given the same leash, or maybe they wouldn't have had as much money yeah. or as big of a team, yeah. whatever. Right, it, and Golden was meant to reach a different audience than than folks uh, right. who who would have been playing Donkey Kong sixty four and Banjo Tooie. Of course, Conquer and and Golden were kind of in this adult gaming category and we're yeah we're really still trying to fight that console war um that they had kind of been started losing to, to sonic and this edgier more yeah. more grown-up um vibe and yeah. so they were really experimenting with it i think they ob- obviously came back full circle and now they're still your your cartoon family-friendly um company but the 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 90s and, and aughts are a really interesting time for nintendo mm-hmm. experimenting with more adult themes and um more you know, grittier, uh, less family-friendly games. And so I, I find it a super interesting time in their history. Yeah, yeah. and your your claim about GoldenEye saving the 64, I mean, like, you you could make an argument for the game, but you can't, uh, you can't make an... Am I saying can't argue? Right? <laughs> you can't, yes. You can make an argument for the game, but you can't argue with the fact that Rare definitely saved the N64 yeah. with their oh, library. Yes, yes. So, and uh, that, just yeah. that GoldenEye, mm-hmm. and it that really kind of catalyst everything because uh, like even Donkey Kong 64 had influences from GoldenEye. That's why Donkey Kong had the gun. Yeah. You know, yep. like right. really great point. I'd talk about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Really there, great point. I mean, there's just, there were so many good ideas ro- rolling around in that, uh, you know, in that campus or in that workplace or whatever. Right. And they just sort of, totally. You know, I think Donkey Kong 64 is a perfect example of how they meshed a lot of their ideas together. Um, you know, and, yeah. And a lot of it worked together, but some, you know. (laughs) As as we've discussed, as we've discussed in in a previous episode, uh, some of it works really well and some of it just feels like too much. Um, But there's something about about GoldenEye where it has like this perfect balance. And, you know, and and that's honestly, the perfect balance could even just be, like you said, I think towards the beginning of, of our recording of how like multiplayer was sort of, they were told like, don't do it. And they still did, right. but all of this stuff we're saying, I think, could be true if multiplayer wasn't in this game. So add that on top of it, which is what a lot of people remember because yep. it gets you together at that age, perfect age to get together, yeah. perfect console, the first one with four controllers, yeah. like all these things that came together. It has this perfect middle ground, and um, sure. and if someone hasn't played it, they're scared about the way it controls on like the Switch, for example, or if you have Game Pass. I I still yeah. think. You absolutely should play it, even if you're not playing multiplayer. Agreed. Yeah, I, I do think that it's a fun one to play now, um, and it also is so important for like a very specific generation of of, uh, of humans because of exactly what you said. You know, those of us who have grown up with Mario on the on the um, you know NES or Super NES or played played on the Genesis. Then we're starting to want a little a little you know something a little bit more mature. Then we got this mm-hmm. game, and it, it's kind of feels feels like the the console grew up with us um, yeah. in a really fun way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Elise, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for taking thank the time. You. No. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. This um, was I, so I, much fun. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and I, I've, I've learned so much, and I've, I've uh, you know, just really enjoyed getting to think through all of this with y'all. Oh, of course. And, and cool. you know what? Not, not only thanks for taking the time, but thanks for writing, like, a book, and books like this, because I honestly, th- I think that they are, are valuable resources for people that are either are either don't know the history of games like this or Super Mario Brothers 3 or any of the other boss fight books games. Like there's a lot to dig into, you know, yeah. um, and 
there are, you know, there's, there's a lot on N64 titles. So yes. know, there's, there's, if you're an N64 fan, there's plenty, plenty to read from Boss Fight. Yeah, exactly. And they have physical and digital copies of stuff, which is great. Yeah. Um, and right. yeah, I, I just, you know, thanks for taking the time to, to talk with us and, and, yeah. and, our, and our goofy little uh, nerdy 64 show here. And, and I will say, oh, all day. I will say that your book is very well written. Uh, I, I don't know oh, that we said you. that. So it's very well written. Thanks so I much. was trapped in an airport the other day, like last weekend. Oh, and no. Oh, no. I passed the time by reading your book. So it oh, was, I'm it honored. Was awesome. Thank you for spending your time that way. Yeah. That's, that's, I, 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 really I was like, that. thank you. I was like, I got to read this. I was like, I, this is perfect timing. And then I pulled it up and then I was just like, I, I so hope it helped you feel like you were escaping a little like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love diving into the history of rare. Like that to me was like, that was so cool. I love the history of it. That was just awesome. Cause obviously rare is a big part of my life. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And the shirt. Yeah. 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 And, the shirt, and the shirt yeah. and the clocker shirt. And so yeah, shirt. it was awesome. It was great. Uh, I wanted to bring up two things before we, we end this. And the yeah. first is, have you guys seen the ROM of GoldenEye with Mario characters? Oh, yes. I don't know that I, Mario, I feel like. Yeah. It's pretty Mario funny. Golden like Knight. It's amazing. Yeah. Like Koopas are enemies. Uh, you've got like uh, Natalia is Peach. Daisy is Xenia. And Luigi is Trevlin. And like they, they like changed the dialogue and things. So like Luigi, I wrote this down because I was like, it was pretty funny. He's like running away from Mario and he's like, finish the job, Mario, if you a can. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that awesome. the game has this continued life with, with people yeah. modding it. And there's yeah. some mods that are really oh my fun. God. So like I there's, just, there's I some just that opened kind of it up. to recreate like World War II areas or, oh, give me one second. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Who? This is, oh, this is one of the scientists, and it's Yoshi. Yeah, it's Yoshi, Yoshi. is embodying the scientist. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. Disable the it's a so security. <laughs> so it's something it's so sweet. Something for viewers to look up. That's that's and excellent. Then, that's so funny. Oh, I never saw that before. And you can play them. I mean, you can download all yeah, these. You can yeah. play them. And, um, you, if if you if you want more Goldeneye, you know, like there's lots out there by really creative people, and they're hard. Some of the levels are very hard and yeah. super engaging. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. That's that's the cool thing about 64 right now. Just all the mod scene creating. I just love that people people can put these and actually have them run on physical hardware. It's not just that, it's yes. not emulation. Yes. It's yeah. it's you put it on a cartridge, you can put it in your 64 and you can play the game. Yeah. And I just absolutely adore that. There's tons of banjo modding. That mm -hmm. modding scene is huge. Goldeneye, uh it's like a lot of rare stuff, which is just so cool to me. Um, yeah. And then the it's other great. thing I just wanted to bring up because I, I told Dave I would, uh, you know, Fam K Jansen, she's hot. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. And she, yeah. And she actually, um, she's Xenia, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, she like lived up to her name because I don't know if I was able to put this in the book or not, but during filming. So, okay. For, for anyone who's not familiar with the movie, like she does. She's named Xenia on a top and then she does kill a man by straddling him during sex and, and like yeah. strangling him to yes. death with her thighs. So incredible yeah. <laughs> classic bone girl. But um, she actually, the actress sent a stunt guy to the hospital during filming. She really hurt wow. him. Um, 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. She, she actually really did hurt him. So she's, she's fierce and she's amazing. And um, yeah. the nineties were, I, I touch on this a little bit in the book, but the nineties were a super interesting time for gender in the bond movies mm-hmm. because they were like really concerned. Like is, is people, are people too PC now? Will they not like that we have these blonde, you know, these bond girls. So they, they tried to emphasize that they have a computer programming bond girl, you know, doing this kind of traditionally male role and she's super smart. Mm -hmm. And then you have Xenia who's super badass. Um, So they're trying to pitch this, you know, purpose. Right. They did. And what's funny though, it's like they they even have M in the movie say Judy Dench say to Bond, you know, you're a misogynist dinosaur. But then you've got Pierce Brosnan on the publicity tour for the movie was saying the most horrible thing. He was like, (laughs) he's a show he's a chauvinist and he's proud of it. And if a girl gives him any lip, he's gonna slap her around. And you're like, oh my god, you have to imagine the movie executives were like, Pierce, shut up. Like why we're going for. Ooh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he just couldn't control him. He just was saying whatever he wanted. You know what? Maybe he just didn't actually, he didn't know what was else was said in the movie. So he's like, oh yeah, no, I'm basically Sean Connery. This is basically 78. Like for sure. I can say yeah, whatever I want. Yeah, it does sound very Sean Connery. Yeah. Well, that's, Sean Connery. It, I mean, like- that, it seems like that's what he was playing when he was doing publicity. It's like, dude, that's not, yes. that's not what's happening here. <laughs> Right, that's not the vibe at all in the movies. And he just, yeah, I don't know what got into him, but it, it's oh, very man. funny. And and, yeah. and it's and that's like one of the first things that that is said to him by M two, right? She's just like, I don't want to hear your misogynistic <laughs> yeah. excuses yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, like that. Right. It's like, yeah, right yeah. there. And and of course it's her too. Like Judy Dench just saying anything like that to someone is like, yeah, first hell yeah, M. I mean, love it. <laughs> it's it's a very cool. Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember that you know when that when that movie came out, it had been a long gap between the last Bond movie yes. and the next. They were worried about the franchise. They were worried that like, hey, the, the Soviet Union's kind of over. Are, is our franchise even relevant? Who's he going to fight? Who's you know now there are computers. There's cyber attacks. What are we going to do? So yeah. Bond represents a big a big transition, not just for gaming but also for the film industry and film narratives as well. Yeah, that franchise yeah. took, and like you said, I think, but I think the combo, like, yeah, the game came out just, just you know, what year and a half, roughly after the, yeah, after the like movie, that. which usually doesn't happen. We we know that that's part of development and the console and like all these types of things, but like, you know, they they perfected a lot of things, and between the movie doing really well, and then just enough, to, I feel like it's just enough time because movies had so much life on VHS and stuff at the time that like, right. just when you stopped, maybe pressing play on the VHS 17 times a week, the game came out and then you were ready to, to yes. play the game. And it just That's sort of so like true. somehow that year and a half, whatever, 18 months, whatever it was, just extended the life of everybody loving James Bond. And the game, like you Absolutely. said, mm-hmm. I think played that part Absolutely. for not only the console and Nintendo, but I think, yeah, for the franchise too, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just one of those titles. So um once again, Elise, thank you very much. I really, okay. really appreciate thank it. Thank you all. I really yeah, appreciate it. So your much time. fun. Thank you. Um, we will uh, hopefully be able to touch base soon. And anytime you want to talk another crazy N64 game, uh, let us know. We are we know where to oh find my us. Gosh. <laughs> anytime. Count me in. I love Amazing. all this. <laughs> Jiggy and I are so very grateful that you joined us on this episode of Remember 64. And of course, 
very, very happy and grateful to welcome on Elise Nor to Remember 64. Uh, be sure to check out the GoldenEye 007 Boss Fight books and her uh, book as well on Super Mario Brothers 3. All of those are available at bossfightbooks.com. There are paper, ebook, and hardcover editions of many of the books, including these ones, uh, all at pretty affordable prices. You can check the link in the show notes. I will link to the books there as well. And uh, make sure you check out Jiggy's page as well. He's got some really cool stuff, including some Toy Story uh, videos, digging into some more Donkey Kong 64. And we are going to continue to be doing more things together. We're expanding sort of different ideas like streaming and playing games together, doing special edition episodes that aren't just like this with special guests, but doing different kinds of things and different videos and all that. So stay tuned uh, at our YouTube page at Remember64 or at Jiggy Lookback as well on YouTube. Um, but other than that, I just, I really want to say thank you everyone for, again, for joining us on this journey of the show. Um, your support, whether it's on Patreon or not, allows us to dig in and do more fun, exciting things like this. I, uh, really enjoy doing this, whether the game is a home run or not, whether it's GoldenEye or whether it's something else, it, it really doesn't matter. Taking this journey with you, with Jiggy, with Luigi, with people like Elise and all the other amazing guests that we've had have been just honestly a joy so thank you everyone for listening thank you everyone for being a part of the show and of course thanks again to elise for being on this episode of goldeneye 007 if you do want to support us to uh, help us continue to grow the show do fun cool things like this and expand on those ideas that i was just talking about patreon.com slash remember 64 show as little as a dollar a month Everything helps, just like every other Patreon out there. But I uh, will say we do, are doing a little bit of a giveaway. If you are new, sign up. We have holographic Remember 64 stickers available for free to you. You can sign up if you feel comfortable giving me your address. I will mail those out and get them to you as soon as possible. All right, everybody. Talk to you next time on Remember 64.